On this episode of The Popcorn Diet, we're doing a mega grab bag episode talking about a few good movies that you can literally watch right now in your homes if you want. Get your popcorn ready. Welcome all you good movie buddies to The Popcorn Diet, a podcast for those who live on a steady diet of homemade movie theater popcorn and other movie snacks. As always, my name is Rick Williamson, your very best good movie buddy. And joining us as usual is our other good movie buddy, the Canadian machine, Mr. David Melhorn. David, it's been a while. It's been a while. How you doing? Just another uh, just another day in quarantine. Just another <laughs> just another day. Yeah, you're absolutely right. That's kind of the situation right now. And and one of the things that, you know, I, I was telling you before the before we started the podcast, one of the things that has kept me from kept personally from being consistent about doing episodes of the popcorn diet is, I mean, there's two things. Number one is rarely are there new movies to talk about to the degree that we've been used to for the past past couple of years on the show. But also like, honestly talking about movies is just, it's depressing right now. Sometimes like some of my favorite podcasts all they can talk about is the uncertainty of when we're going to get back into the theater. And that's not what I want this podcast to be about, you know? So there are those times and spaces in between movies that do get released via VOD and whatnot um, that it's just hard to come up with something to talk about. But you and I have kind of made a, a resolve to be better about that. You know, now that, I mean, we're it's the middle of summer. You know, and it's clear that we're not going to be getting our summer movie season or maybe a fall movie season or whatever. So we decided to get together and talk about three of the movies uh, that just recently came out. I think it was a week ago or so. Uh, And yeah, how are you holding up? Like, I know particularly for me, I'm mostly just watching The West Wing. But like, what's on your regular viewing? Uh, Well, I just finished watching America's Fifth professional sport which is mtv the challenge <laughs> okay which just finished up okay not ashamed it's hey. excellent excellent watching there's no shame here uh other than that you know we watch a lot of food network stuff which is still releasing some new stuff um we're uh finally watching parks and rec there Hadn't you go watched it for a long time hell so yeah we're uh we're going through that other than that it's you know, the occasional things that, that pop up. Watch the uh, Stefan Marbury uh, documentary that got released on Netflix not too long ago. Oh, interesting. Um, Kid from Coney Island is the name of it. It was uh, it was pretty good. Okay. So, you know, you kind of fill it with a lot of rewatches, but some sure. new stuff still coming out despite sure. all of this. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, mine has been mostly rewatch. I think I've said it on here before that I am somebody who can, if I'm going to watch a television show, I can only, unless it's a new show where the episodes come out weekly or whatever, like I have to finish it and binge it all the way through. So I'm currently on season five of The West Wing. So, and, hey, you don't give me that look. I, sometimes a show won't grab me. I know you. I know what you're. And say, you know what? Just say it. We're on a podcast. What about Go Sons ahead. of Anarchy? Say, see, there it is. I knew that's what you were thinking about. You just give me these silent looks on an audio medium. Listen, I got to the point at Sons of Anarchy where I knew it was about to get really dark. I think it was the end of season three, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I can't, can't have that in my life right now. 
And so I moved on to other things. Uh-huh, uh-huh. There's always a po- opportunity for me to get back to it. But sure. you can't say I didn't try it. You, told me, you told me when I start a TV show, I got to just finish it. Okay. Okay. There are caveats. Okay. Obviously. All right. Um, so I'm the same. Like right now, I'm on season five of The West Wing. I got two and a half more seasons to go. And then maybe it'll be Sons of Anarchy. Maybe it'll be something else. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but for this particular episode, we are going to talk about three movies that came out on three separate ser- streaming services that I would say are all pretty good. You saw two of the three. I did. And I, I watched all three. Mm-hmm. And you would you would say just right off the bat that they're all pretty good. Yeah, I enjoyed both. I saw Palm Springs and Old Guard. Yep. And I enjoyed both of them. Yeah, and I saw obviously those two movies and I saw Greyhound as well. So... The Old Guard obviously is on Netflix. Palm Springs is on Hulu, and Greyhound is on Apple Plus. So, all streaming services that you likely already have already. If you're an Apple product user, like you have free Apple Plus for, I think I've had it for a year or six months or however long I've had it. And um, I we'll start with Greyhound because Greyhound is the one you didn't see, right? Correct. Um and. Is there, do you, is there, you just didn't get to it? Yeah. Oh, well, I don't have HBO Max. I thought it or, first. Or no, Apple Plus. Or Apple Plus. I don't, I don't have, have Apple Plus. Plus. I don't have HBO Max either. So at this point, I haven't had anything that really convinced me to sign up for either, even though Apple Plus, I think you can get technically for free right now with. Right. If you well, have Apple a, stuff at you've all. You've got a new phone and whatnot. So I think that's what qualifies you. So I'll pitch it to you. All right. Go for it. Tom Hanks. World War II, good old-fashioned naval warfare, uh, 90 minutes, uh, and pretty good. Like, I know that – I don't know about you. Are, are World War II movies – like, are, are you a naval warfare guy? Like, are you a Master and Commander guy or a Crimson Tide or Das Boot or U-571? Is that a particular subgenre that you're a fan of? I enjoyed U-571. Um, I don't know that I seek out submarine movies per se, sure. but I've, I've enjoyed the ones that I've watched, but they're not like all timers for me, but I enjoy the genre. Sure. Okay. So for me, I enjoy a good old fashioned naval warfare movie. Uh, and that's what Greyhound is. Greyhound again was originally produced to be released in theaters. Um, it was one that I think on a previous episode of this podcast, I was worried about because it was supposed to be coming out in like a month and there was no trailer. There was nothing for it. It's Tom Hanks. It's World War II. And I was just kind of like, what the hell is that about? And a trailer eventually came out, looked pretty good, but it's directed by Aaron Schneider. Uh, or uh, sh- Yeah, Schneider. Uh, and it was written by Tom Hanks. And it was based off of a book called The Good Shepherd by C.S. Forrester. And it is just a story of... Commander Ernest Krause, who was a a U.S. commander in the Navy. And it's the story of one trip across the Atlantic and how they had during World War II and how they had to protect this huge convoy of ships from these uh, U-boats. And that's what the Atlantic was, is the Atlantic was all U-boats and stuff like that. And And it's really good. Like, it's lean. It's mean. Um, it's probably something that you would like because we talked on pre like we, when we talked about first man, 
for example, you like the more traditional kind of war movie, like American, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like American gumption, you know, that kind of thing. And that's kind of what this movie is. It's not overly dramatic, but it's literally Tom Hanks is just a guy trying to do his duty, trying to get home to see his his girlfriend slash wife or whatever. Um, and it's it's really lean. There's no fat on it. It's quite literally a movie that is just, you know, hard degree, poor, full of head stern. Like, it's a lot of naval warfare chess playing back and forth. It's a lot of shouting orders and whatnot. And so I like that a lot. Uh, I like that there wasn't some, you know, there there's not a lot of fluff on this movie. Um, the other thing that I'll say is, with the exception of Greyhound, like, I, I don't have to get into spoilers, but there are there's a really good relationship between him and one of the cook staff, wait staff on the ship. Um, and it's literally over the course of like two nights, but it's really good. I love the way how they portrayed the U-boats as like sharks, the way that they come out of the water and are slicing through the water as like the school of sharks trying to hunt these ships down. And there are a few moments of just at, like genuine tension because you're talking about 1940s technology where they couldn't see each other. There's a couple of near collisions and stuff like that. Uh, and it's gripping stuff. So I would I would recommend Greyhound, especially a lot of people I've heard it called a dad movie. Um, but and that's I mean, that's fine. You know, dad movies are often really good movies, but literally like it was made by Sony. It was produced by Playtone. It was originally supposed to be given a theatrical release. But it wound up on Apple TV. And, uh, and yeah, it's a, it's a good movie. You should check it out. Right. Um, so that's my pitch to you, my pitch to everybody to check out on Greyhound. But we're going to talk about the other two movies back and forth because we those are the ones we saw. And I'm going to just say it right now, full, full disclosure, usually we do non-spoiler sections and we do spoiler sections and one of the reasons we and david i don't know if you fully agree with me on this but i decided to do it anyway so whatever but one of the reasons that we do that is because it's in the movie theaters not everybody has the opportunity to go see it yet you know some people unlike us wouldn't go opening night or opening friday night or you like would go at like 11 p.m sure and so we do spoilers and we do non-spoiler sections. These two movies right now, I'm just going to tell you, because we're doing a grab bag, we're just – there's no aversion to spoilers. We are going – this is going to be spoiler conversation. We're not going to go out of our way to spoil it. We're not going to go out of our way to say, like, this is how it ends. But I also don't want us to limit ourselves on the conversation. I just want to talk about the movies openly and freely. So if you have not seen Palm Springs or Old Guard, David, I think you and I – both can confidently say you should probably see those movies. Yeah, and I would say you want like the thirty second, su- you know, summary of of what they are. Sure, you've got Palm Springs, which is basically like twenty twenty R rated Groundhog Day. Yeah, with Andy Samberg. Yep, and if you're into any of that. You'll probably enjoy it. If you like time loops and the Lonely Island and Andy Samberg. Any of those, you probably will enjoy this. You will enjoy the um, movie, yeah. And then with Old Guard, it's adapted from a comic book. It's, you know, there's some, there's not time travel, but there's some 
playing with time and history mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff. It's kind of like historic superhero type. Kind of like immortality. Like yeah. think of Wolverine, but tied to like the old ages and the crusades a little bit. Ex- exactly. So, uh, but it's set in present time. Um, and it's a good good movie with lots of great action. Um, I think for, you know, a movie that goes on Netflix, I think a lot of times we think about, and I think there's a lot to change that has been changing this, but a lot of times you think maybe you sacrifice in some of the special effects or the quality of action and that kind of stuff. And sure. I think some of the recent Netflix movies have, have done a good job of kind of countering that, that straight to on demand movies can still be really excellent in, in their action. And I think that's probably the biggest part where old guard shines is, is in their action. But I know we're going to get into spoilers, but if you needed some kind of quick description on it, that's, that's what we're dealing with. Definitely recommend going and well, streaming them. Exactly. Uh, (laughs) But, uh, (laughs) With that being said, I, I will say that I think it's it's worth your time, especially when we're all looking for things to do to fill our time. Absolutely, uh, especially if you're looking for new movies to watch. The, the Old Guard's pretty darn good, like you said. Action's really good. Violence, it's, it's nice and violent. Um, Charlize kicking ass again. Um, and one of my favorite parts about The Old Guard is just characters, good, good characters um, that I found oddly, like... They weren't. Charlize is the star of the movie, and Kiki Lane and stuff like they've been in movies. Marwan Kanzari, who's in the movie, was Jafar in Aladdin, so they've been in stuff. But it's not a bunch of names. It's Charlize Theron, it's Chitel Eljafour, and a bunch of other people. But the characters and the acting is actually really good, and that's something I feel like you don't always get with a Netflix movie, where it feels like it's a movie designed by an algorithm to get the most amount of viewers possible. And sometimes that means a sacrifice to tone or character, or as you said, budget in action. And you don't get that with the old guard. So both those movies, Palm Springs and the old guard come with our recommendation. They, you should go see them. Like you, I just screwed up like you. You can't go anywhere to see them. Just pull them up on your phone. I mean, you could go somewhere and watch them. You could, you you could stream it it anywhere, you know, if you want (laughs) to, Go drive somewhere in your car you and could. stream it on your phone. Yeah, you could do that just really to feel like you're getting out. If you really wanted to do that, you could absolutely drive to almost wherever you wanted and watch it in your car. Yeah, exactly. Um, could even order some food. It, you know, on your have a good phone night. as the filmmakers intended. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure they'd <laughs> love that. But yeah, they're both really good. So let's start with Palm Springs, David. Um, what did you know about this movie coming in? I had heard that it was on. It was a, a favorite on Sundance. I'm always interested in those Sundance movies that are a little bit more mainstream, mm-hmm. just because I'm still as as mu- as much as you've busted my chops about becoming more and more of a movie snob and more into the independent movies. You are and very stuff pretentious. Like that, I am. I have my moments. Um, I like. Paying attention to what comes out of Sundance. And so if you tell me a high-concept comedy with Andy Samberg, J.K. Simmons, um, Kristen Milotti, and it's a time-loop, Lonely Island-esque comedy set in Palm Springs, like, I'm in immediately. Did you have that kind of knowledge on it? My knowledge on it was that it was called Palm Springs and that Andy Samberg was in it. (laughs) Okay, that's right. what I knew going into. Man, it. to live that kind of life, I wish I had. I don't know. I I don't. I wish something in my brain was changed. I wish <laughs> that 
I had the fortitude to to be completely cold when going into a movie. <laughs> I really wish I did, but I'm also fine with the way that I do things. Um, so right off the bat, how'd you like the movie? Like, and we can get into spoilers as well because this kind, this movie kind of it's a comedy. Obviously, it's sure. funny. It's very funny. But you and I had discussed previously, this is one of those comedies, it seems like the modern comedy is not, no longer a true blue pure comedy. You can even see that on television as well. Shows like Barry or Atlanta where they are funny, but they also deal with heavy shit. Yeah. You know? So what did you think about it coming out of it? Well, I think it's really hard to not watch this movie and immediately start sizing it up against Groundhog Day. Of course. And if I you think, think it knows it too. I think it does as well. And I think if you think about Groundhog Day, you know, it, there's definitely some thematic elements. And if you break that down, there's a lot of more depth to it than maybe one might realize. But sure. it's not, you know, kind of in your face with it. You see the progression of Phil, you know, the character and, you know, him going through basically like the different stages of grief right and then right um, and then evolving as a character and you know you get to the ending that you get to whereas I feel like this one tries to tackle a whole lot more like mm-hmm. you learn a lot more about characters their past like we lived in just that day in Groundhog Day and nothing else like you learned more about what was going on that day sure. but you didn't learn any more about like each of the individual characters and their you know their background and everything that they were doing prior to that day and that kind of thing you really lived contained in that day whereas i feel like with palm springs it goes beyond that a little bit not only does it obviously bring in like the supernatural in some form mm-hmm. to it and and go kind of a little science fiction it goes a in li- there. It goes a little bit more into the reasoning of it. Yeah. Which most time loop movies don't do. Yep. So we we kind of go into there, but we also, you know, obviously the most obvious difference is, is that we have three characters going through this time loop. Right. In it's not just one character living through it and no one else experiencing the same thing, which to get to that point, you have to explain it, which leads to kind of the cave and the things like that. Mm-hmm. So um, I think from that standpoint, I enjoyed kind of the variety that it had, that it didn't just try to be like a modern Groundhog Day right. and just do something very similar, you know, with it, with just updated storylines and updated scenes and stuff like that. Sure. I enjoyed that it took it a little bit different direction. You know, I think most of the like, I don't want to, I don't know if the right word is heartfelt moments or that sure. hit fairly well. Like I enjoyed the the conversation with J.K. Simmons and uh and Andy Samberg in the backyard. The one thing that I will say is I felt like the problem with this movie and and I won't put it all on Andy Samberg, but it seems to kind of come back to Andy Samberg okay. and, and who he is okay. and what he does is that like we're having this serious moment and then it'll just insert something like in that conversation, which I think is a great moment. And there's some great truths being spoken. Sure. We also regularly keep coming back to look at my son watering crap right now. (laughs) (laughs) 
and it's like it kind of jolts you out of it when you've got these like super like off the wall like jokes just like intermixed in like what are meant to be like serious scenes right and so for that to me like took away a little bit from like the effectiveness of like if you want to go and get more depth then like maybe take a short break from like the penis jokes the (laughs) dick jokes the you know whatever like and and just stick with that the watering crap the whatever so fair, but I other guess. than that, you know, I I enjoyed it, and obviously it's an R-rated comedy, so right. you're expecting a lot of that. Whereas obviously Groundhog Day is not that. Right. Um, so from that standpoint, like I said, I really enjoyed the movie. I felt like it for something that's a time loop. I think one of the dangers of any time loop movie is that it drags because you're like, sure, this again, this again. Right. You know, we're doing those same things, and so um, I won't say it's felt short. Um, I think it's at the appropriate 90 minutes. Yeah, it's not that it should be long. Um, it's yeah, 90 minutes. So but I enjoyed it. There's a lot of funny scenes from it, memorable scenes from it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like I said, I like the different approach to a Groundhog Day movie, a time loop movie. Definitely. I number one, the thing about both Greyhound and this. And what's funny is that I love going to the movie theater and watching a two and a half hour movie like Christopher Nolan is like. Tenant's going to be two and a half hours. I'm in. It's no problem. Sign me up more. I'm getting more movie for my money anyway. They charge you the same number amount of money for a ticket to a 90-minute movie as they do to a two and a half hour movie, right? So get your money's worth. But I do like in this in this day and age, I do like a nice lean mean 90 minutes. Um, and I agree with a lot of what you're saying. I, I disagree with the comedy stuff, but I get your point. Like to me, and and you know this because like – a comedy and being funny and being dramatic and that's a lot of who I am in general. You know, all of those things. Not to say that you're not, but I think you would agree that my level of whatever you want to call it, uh, dramatic is is uh, is at a different level. And you're very dramatic. I am very dramatic. I'm very theatrical. I think yes. that's the word I'm looking for. Here. Yes, you are very. And so. I like and I relate and that engages me when you are having a a moment where he goes to Irvine and sits with Roy and because that, in in my opinion, like that reflects real conversation. Like you and I have had deep dramatic conversations where one of us will crack a joke or one of us will be like whatever. And that's how – that's like – I like that. It it definitely – doesn't break it up for me um, necessarily in the same way that it does for you. Um, I also like that this is like the perfect quarantine movie. Like this is literally you could maybe not pick a better movie to come out that feels like of its time than this movie. And I understand that the plan was originally to release it theatrically and do all that kind of stuff. But it's kind of perfect that it came out on streaming because of the nature of repetitiveness you know and that's the first thing you get with with Andy Samberg's character Niles the best part is that we're already with him you know as you said you're inevitably going to make comparisons to Groundhog Day and with with Bill Murray we see him before he gets stuck we see him reacting to when he gets stuck and eventually getting through it you know for practically no explanation you know and in this movie we meet Niles near the tail end of his time in the time loop. He's been there arguably for years. Mm -hmm. And I like that his name is Niles because he seems very nihilistic. 
I don't know if that's done on purpose or not, but he's just at this point when we meet him at the beginning of the movie, he has given up. He just doesn't care anymore. He's done everything he possibly can. He's tried everything he can possibly try. He slept with um, – I, I would venture to say literally everyone at the hotel <laughs> and, and tried different sexual exploits with everybody at the hotel just to try and keep things, you know, spicy, I suppose. And when Sarah's, uh, Sarah gets in, Christine Milati's character gets in, um, you see – you get to experience some of that initial – Oh my God, what's happening? But then you have Niles as a counterpoint who is just so blase about it. And I just, I like that. Like, I like that the idea of like two people getting, one person getting stuck by themselves and then two people getting stuck in. And it's just really interesting because it feels like every day is the same day when you're stuck in quarantine. You know, we've been in, in quarantine. We've been shut down, so to speak, for the better part of four months, mm -hmm. you know, some of us going longer, some of us going a little bit shorter and it's hard not to feel like the days bleed together. Uh, I also enjoy that it's a modern day telling, right? In Groundhog Day, he's snowed in, he can't get out and it sucks there. Nobody wants to get stuck in a time loop in Punxsutawney in February or whenever it is, sure. right? But I would argue, and maybe you would agree with me, if we had to choose a place to get stuck, Palm Springs isn't a bad place to get stuck. Sure. Uh, you know, especially during the time you spend all day at the pool, what have you. And I like that it, it uses modern technology that these people can – you can do a lot in a single day. You can do a lot before you fall asleep. So the fact that she drives all the way back to Austin one night, he drives all the way to Irvine – uh, he mentions that he made it all the way to Equatorial Guinea after doing shrooms. That's super interesting to me because you can literally hop on a plane and go anywhere mm -hmm. for a day. And then the second you fall asleep, you wake up. And so I just find that really interesting. Um, How would you like the performances? Obviously, this movie is stacked with a cast. Not only is it Andy Samberg and Kristen Milati for doing the, the main, you know, the, the, the main – rom-com couple you know deal but you got jk simmons doing just always i don't care what jk simmons shows up in it i'm i'm gonna enjoy it you got tyler hochlin who plays superman on the cw but he was in everybody everybody wants some who i really like you got freaking peter gallagher june squibb shows up in this movie um how did you like the performances in regards to like what we are getting? Did you find them elevated? Uh, I found there's just there's a lot of depth to this movie that you might not initially expect. I think for me, like Andy Samberg's character Niles just feels like Andy Samberg and who we've grown to right. know Andy Samberg. He being. feels like Jake Peralta. Like he feels like the only characters. Yeah, I mean, he he, do, he doesn't really feel any different. He feels like if one of his other characters got stuck in a time loop, this is probably... Smarter smarter than Hot Rod. Probably where he'd end up from that <laughs> standpoint. But one could argue if you have 12... If you have a year or more of doing the same day, you would get a little bit smarter, Maybe. too. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I think uh, Kristen Milati, I didn't really know her much going into it mm -hmm. um i thought she was good i mean nothing like memorable 
for me about her. My my favorite character in it was Roy oh, J.K. Simmons. Of Obviously, course. I would argue that he's the actor with the greatest acting chops <laughs> that's sure. that's in there. He's and the, the Oscar and the most, winner. The most recognizable probably in there as well. Um, but I really loved kind of his character. I, I loved the, like I said, despite the watering poop jokes, I did really enjoy kind of the Irvine scene and and, uh-huh. and getting kind of that uh, dialogue back and forth with Roy. Um, obviously, I loved how he's introduced when he is hunting uh, Niles. He gets to play both versions of J.K. Simmons. He gets to play psycho J.K. Simmons and like wise, wise J.K. Older, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, those were the most memorable to me. Um, everybody else, you know, to some degree are, are probably background. I mean, it's not sure. really about any of the others. No. Um, none of them really s- stand out as super memorable. None of the, like the other groomsmen or mm-hmm. the bride and groom stand out that much to me um peter peter gallagher probably the dad, uh, yeah probably is the the next character that i think of when i think of like the other characters in this movie he does but have that's a, about it he has that good moment where i don't remember how she gets her teeth knocked out but the bride gets her teeth knocked yeah. out and he's like on the phone and he's like he does he glues teeth or yeah. whatever it's just pretty good that's yeah. a pretty good yep. bit um I will tell you, obviously, when you're stuck in a time loop, this it's a story about self-discovery, right? It's a story about meaning. That's what time loops are. Sure. Essentially, you know, when you come talk about Groundhog Day and this, like, that's essentially what you're talking about. You talk about a movie like Source Code, maybe a little bit different. You know, that's about stopping an explosion or whatever. But, but this is a movie about meaning, and I do think it gets really deep with a lot of things. Number one, like, there's that moment where she kind of goes a little crazy – and is like she like starts hurting people and he tells her that like what we do matters, you know, it sticks with you. So you kill somebody that's never going to go away. You know, you act badly and you feel like there's not going to be any repercussions, but there is that's going to stay with you. And that I found to be really powerful. Also, this movie got me big time with one with a couple of just little touches. I don't, I don't want to call them all twists. But I want to call I, I want to call them touches, and the first one is why Sarah is so determined to get out of the loop. Niles has given up, but Sarah is determined to get out of the loop, and we find out why, and it's because that morning is the morning after she slept with the groom sure. before the wedding. She slept with her sister's fiance, mm-hmm. and they reveal that as like a mid movie twist. And I and again I didn't read the spoilers because the movie had just come out. It got me. I gasped. I was sitting in my apartment by myself, and I go, oh, my God. Like, it really hit me. And that's so – me. like, you're forced to relive the literally the lowest moment of your life, like, according to her. Like, sure. it's the worst day of her life, and she needs to get out of there. Like, that was an incredible twist that was not only – it doesn't not only does it propel the plot, but it it fills in character motivations and things like that. The other two are a little bit smaller, but I love how uh, Nana June Squibb at the end kind of tips her hand a little bit and makes it seem like she knows what's going on. She's stuck in the loop. Maybe she's even part of controlling the loop. Mm-hmm. Like that was another one. I was like, oh wow, interesting. And then I like the way that it it wrapped up because because obviously it wraps up where. 
she does a shitload of research on quantum physics mm-hmm. to study alternate dimensions, alternate loops, and stuff like that. And what's really funny is, like, in Groundhog Day, when did that movie come out? Early 90s? Like, the, the conversations about, you know, quantum mechanics and... Exactly, right? Like, so we didn't have the internet in, in the same capacity. We didn't have cell phones in the same capacity. Uh, and certainly Phil Connors didn't have the ability to travel or connect with people in the way that we do today. So I like that she used her time, her indiscriminate amount of time, to research what, like, alternate timelines look like, what that, in theory, she literally teaches herself quantum physics and is doing Zoom meetings with quantum theorists to try and figure it out. And long story short, she figures it out, they get out, but I love the little mid credit sequence where Roy is still stuck in the time loop and he comes up to Andy Samberg and it's a different version of Andy Samberg because that yeah. previous version had gotten out mm-hmm. and is then replaced by the default copy version. Mm-hmm. And I just liked how, because J.K. Simmons is is the third lead in this movie, but I had I thought that he, they had forgotten about him or I thought that he was just content to live in his one day, you know, in Irvine. But when he comes in and realizes they figured it out and realizes that she told him how to figure it out, Mm-hmm. Like that was very satisfying. I was very satisfied. Do you have any? Obviously, those are twists and stuff like that. Are there any main parts of the movie that you really enjoyed? No, I mean, I think overall, I, I, I just enjoyed. I always enjoy like the fun montages of them, just like the quick, quick scenes of all the different things that they did. Because you always think about like, if I was in a time loop, what would all the things? That I would That's going to be another know, question. We'll, we'll answer that question. And so uh, I think those are those are probably the the parts I enjoyed the most. Like I said, the Irvine scene was one. I like the introduction of J.K. Simmons, and like I think as soon as because to that point you don't really know that we're in a different movie than Groundhog Day. Sure. Um, I'm trying to think. When I when it's first established that you're in a time loop movie, um, um, I think I mean I think it's when he goes into the cave, right? Like you don't technically know until he goes into the cave. Uh, well, it's when they, he crawls into the cave because he wakes up and they have a re- it's a seemingly regular day yeah. where he's talking with Sarah. They go out. And she follows him into the cave, and then we wake up the next day. And boom, yeah, but now I think that's the first time, time you realize we're in a time loop. Yeah, unless if, you sure, unless, unless you, you know the going in or whatever. Yeah, but from from that standpoint, you know, I enjoyed kind of how they introduced it, um, and like you said, I enjoyed that they, you know, I think as they there was right up on the film and talking with the director, and they said like basically it was important for us to distance from Groundhog Day and uh-huh. we wanted this to like almost occur after a movie like Groundhog Day or like after a movie had already happened right of like us getting into this time loop and so I I enjoyed that you know at first you're like I don't know if Niles is just this like loser like unmotivated sure. unmotivated boyfriend that's like tagging along to a wedding he doesn't really want to be at um so that that's I think the fun part for me about having gone into it without having read anything is like mm-hmm. 
I didn't know it was a Groundhog Day. I mean, I immediately knew as soon as we got back and woke up and it was the same diet. It was like, okay, yeah, I get it. Like there's more perspective to yeah. it. But um, it was fun going up into that point and just seeing kind of what was going on and then you know, having that aha moment of, oh, okay, we're in a loop here. Yeah, I I liked, and I like some of the quieter moments too. Like there's a moment where they do, I think, shrooms or they do some type of drug and they go sit out in the desert and they see dinosaurs uh, on, like kind of on the horizon. And I was just into that shit. Like I'm like, yeah, uh, I like all of what's happening here. Um, it was just cool. I love the music. The music is like the synthesizer-esque music and whatever. Um but I, I just I really enjoyed the the deeper moments. I it's it's a very funny movie, um, but I really did enjoy those deeper moments and the way that it kind of gets you to look at life differently and the fear of branching out, you know, and the and I you know hell as somebody who's been stuck in their apartment for four months, I relate to that you know, in a big way. You maybe not as much. You got a family and kids and stuff. Maybe you could use some days in Palm Springs. Um, <laughs> but, it's, but yeah, so, okay, before we wrap, before we wrap up Palm Springs talk, I did want to ask you, I, we just got to talk for a while. Like, what would we do in a time loop? Like, that's what I want to know. I want to know what would you do in a time loop? Um, I'd go to Vegas. Ooh, okay. And find a way to win lots of money. Okay. Because if you gambled every day, it would be new every day, right? Because well, no, it's the same. Like if you can't, like for example, you. This is my. I'm. We're gonna get into this shit. I'm super excited. Like you go to Vegas, you go to a roulette table at 12 p.m. at noon, and the roulette ball goes around. It will always every day land on black 12. Yeah. So if you know that, then you can go there. You can document it all, memorize it. Yeah. And then just go there and just clean up, kill it, and see. What happens because of that? What happens when they don't want you on the table anymore and they give you a Sweden and all that kind of stuff? Do you and just like, turn every day into a game of how much money can I make? Yeah, you start out. Well, you can conquer each game, right? So you right. you conquer a roulette table first uh -huh. and then, then you go to a blackjack table. Uh -huh. The thing with blackjack, though, is like it's unpreventable to lose at times. Like with roulette, you're betting on a number. Right. Blackjack... Like, if the dealer's going to get 21 in this hand, the dealer's going to get 21. Right. So, like, you would get kicked out of a casino or brought into a back room pretty quickly if, like, you were sitting out hands. Plus, there's the whole aspect of when you sit out hands, it changes who gets what cards sure. because there's one less person you're dealing. I so think you could There's a whole it, lot more variables longer. with blackjack it's i mean basically you would do what they do in the movie 21 right you count cards you'd count you wouldn't have to even count cards you'd know okay i'm gonna bet the minimum because i know the dealer gets 21 here right next hand i know i'm gonna win like if i so sit I'm down at bet the, if i sit down at the table at 12 p.m yeah the same people sitting at the table will be there they will be making the same bets well and you can know i'll lose the first hand but i'll win the second so i'll right. bet five bucks on the first hand i'll bet ten thousand on the second exactly hand. And then you get dragged into the back. But see, exactly. that's the point of it is then you got to figure out how not to get dragged into the back. But then you could do craps because, I mean, craps would be similar to roulette. But you could decide how much, you know, you want to put on. You could vary it as far uh -huh. as like how you're going to win each time. Uh -huh. You know, there's all sorts of things. So I feel like Vegas would would occupy your time for a long time I because went, it would take a while to memorize as yes. well as 
There's all sorts of different things you could do in there to fill up your time. I, I like this plan because that's what I was thinking about, right? Because the movie ends with them like <sighs> – that's what's so interesting about the end of this movie because she literally figures out the way to do it. And if they do it, they'll be successful. And if they don't do it, they'll be dead. Like those are the only two options, mm-hmm. right? They're not going to get stuck back in the time loop. So if it were me and that was the last selection, I would be like, let's wait one more day and do whatever I needed to do to set myself up for that next additional day, right? So you watch the sporting events. And, it, and a lot of it is based on the money that you have. So you'd go all Biff style. Exactly. That, Biff Tannen style. Start putting bets down on big long shots. Just look for any the highest payout bets of the day, stuff like that. Hit up the sport book. I would – or uh, the other thing that I was thinking of is like f- figure out the perfect crime. Like figure out the perfect robbery. Like Bill Murray does it in Groundhog Day where he figures out how to rob an armored car. Sure. Right? So figure that out, like time everything, because you can't. You can time everything down to the second of when I can steal this money. See, see, but here's the thing is like Palm Springs brings up that Groundhog Day never tackles is that despite the fact that you're reliving the day over and over again, Uh you still have those memories. So like if you do a crime and you murder a bunch of people. I don't want to kill anybody. I'm going to put that out there. If you do things that are morally not okay like if you're killing people if you're even if you're doing the you know whatever i don't want to murder anybody i want a victimless crime i want white collars i just want the money like the thing that's not talked about with palm springs is yes the day ends and they move on but think about all the things that andy sandberg now has to live with for the rest of his life knowing that he did yeah and the confusion of reality chances are he goes insane with Within the next five years because... Because of this movie. Running into people that you have about 300 different memories with right. is just going to mess with you. Or like, I mean, he's literally been in the time loop long enough to forget what his job was. was. Yeah. And that's a long time because I'm, I'm 34 and I can tell you every job that I've had. Sure. Right? I can tell you what I did when I was in high school. I can tell you I worked at Suncoast Motion Picture Company in college. I can tell you I went 12... Jesus, 12 years ago... And did the Disney College internship. So he's got who have been in this time loop for a very, very long time in order to forget that. And then the next day, he's got a job again. Yeah. You know, so it's it's tough. But I'm I'm with you on that where it's like, how can I maximize the money that I have for getting out of this time loop? And then I'll go with you, Kristen Milati. Like, hold my hand. You can blow us up with C4 inside of the cave and maybe we'll make it. But, like, that would be my way to try and rig the system. And mm-hmm. I, it's maybe my only disappointing part about this yeah. movie is that they didn't, like, just collect. I, I See, I just crime spree all the way to Vegas and then put all the money on a big bet and then wake up the next day, cash a ticket. See, but you don't even need a big bet because... I just go on a crime spree. If You don't even have to go on a crime spree. You can... Even if you had $1 in your pocket, if you knew what was going to happen for the next four hours in Vegas, yeah, you could easily turn $1 into millions right? because you always know what's going to happen. $1 turns into two, two turns into four, right. four turns into six. It would take eight. me a like, long time. It, but would take a, it would take a while, but you also can then go to things that pay better than just two to one. You can go to right. 
something that pays a hundred to one. Exactly. Like a roulette, you get paid out, you know, thirty six to thirty five to one or whatever on a number. Right. So once you get a decent amount, you just go there. Plus, if you don't want to get caught, you gotta go to different casinos. Absolutely. You can't just walk into Mandalay Bay and get exact roulette. Number, like black 32, red nine. You can't do that for 10 in a row because they're going to come and get you. Well, let's let's be honest. If you hopped around to casinos and you kept doing that, it wouldn't take long before. It doesn't no, matter how true. many different casinos you go to. Maybe I'll just do it here in Arizona with our Indian casinos. There you go. Maybe the, the, the reservation casinos will... Will uh, their security won't be? It, I uh, don't know. That's honestly that's an assumption of mine. That's probably untrue. But who knows? That's definitely what I would do in a time loop, though, is I would just... Play like a video game every day. What money? How much money do I end with? What's my final score for the day? <laughs> All right. Let's uh, before we do the old guard. Let's do our popcorn ratings for Palm Springs. What's that noise? Popcorn. You making popcorn? Uh huh. I only eat popcorn at the movies. Uh, for those of you who have never listened to an episode, this is a real weird episode to start. But we do our ratings a little bit differently. Instead of stars or thumbs up or whatever, we have different popcorn levels. We have burnt popcorn, which means a movie is garbage. Don't waste your time on it. Even if it's free, it's trash. Uh, we have stale popcorn, which is not great. You know, it's if you absolutely have to have it, you know, a couple of days old popcorn isn't the absolute worst thing you can do, but it's not ideal. Then we have microwave popcorn, which is fine. Like it's good. Your mileage may vary. It could be really good for some people and very unsatisfying for other people. We then have movie theater popcorn, which originally meant you should probably go see this in a movie theater. Go see it on a big screen and invest the time. But now I'll just say just invest the time. Like if you're looking for something to watch, movie theater popcorn is the way to go. And then we have perfect popcorn, which means stop what you're doing, shut it down, and go see this movie or pull this movie up, watch it however you can as quickly as possible. So, David, what would you give pop, your popcorn rating for Palm Springs? What would you give it? I'd give it a four. I'd give it a movie, a movie theater, theater popcorn, popcorn, even though we can't watch it in a movie theater. It's fair. So I think it's, it's worth seeing. I think it's a, a memorable movie. It's something different than what we've seen before, despite all the correlations we've been talking about with Groundhog Day. I think it's something, you know, unique from that standpoint, something especially different than probably what anybody's been watching in their quarantine. So I think it's it's enjoyable. You got to be okay with a little bit of raunchy comedy. Sure. Um, so it's definitely not a watch with kids or I mean or minors. Yeah. In uh, from that <laughs> sense, but uh, other than that, yeah, I, I enjoyed it a lot. It was a lot of fun. I'll be honest, man. I think I'm gonna give this perfect popcorn because this movie really connected with me. Obviously, I love Andy Samberg and I love The Lonely Island and I love that type of comedy. That's like, isn't this dumb? But they know it's dumb. Um, I'm really impressed with the way that they took the time loop concept and made it fresh, made it original, and are able to have that dumb level of comedy, but with deep emotional stakes. Like that's a hard bouncing act to, to do. And in, in, in my opinion, like it, it nailed it. Uh, I think, you know, obviously there are the, the little things like what we would have done in the time loop instead of them, but I'm not going to fault a movie for not, you know, getting stuck in a time loop. Although now I want to write a time loop movie about somebody just absolutely playing Vegas for everything that he can get out of it. So that would be, that's put that down. Probably shouldn't have even said that. Now somebody's going to write it. But yeah, for me, 
It's perfect popcorn. We're going to talk about the old guard in just a second, but before we do, we're going to take a quick break. What's up, good movie buddies? Before we continue, I want to remind everyone that you can get free episodes of The Popcorn Diet delivered to you just by hitting the subscribe button or following us wherever you're listening from. So take a second, hit the button, give us a rating, write us a review, share us with the other good movie buddies out there. We also want to remind you to check us out on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash the popcorn diet and consider becoming a patron of this little independent movie podcast filled with love. Not only is it going to help us improve the podcast, keep the podcast going, but it's also going to give you exclusive patron-only access to things like early episodes, franchise refills episodes, and more. So check that out by going to patreon.com slash the popcorn diet. Of course, we don't want you to forget that you can also follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram at The Popcorn Diet. And last but certainly not least, you can find all of our latest regular episodes, articles, and more on our website, popcorndietpodcast.com. Let's get back to it. Next movie, last movie, I guess we're talking about, David, is The Old Guard. Uh, this one's interesting because I don't think this one ever had a planned theatrical release. With Netflix, you never really know. Uh, sometimes they put their movies out, especially if they want awards contention, but this one was always going to be released on Netflix. It's a Netflix original. Um, it stars Charlize Theron being an ass kicker again. It's directed by Gina Prince-Bythewood, who is not known for this type of movie. She's known for, like, love and basketball and Mm -hmm. more character-based dramas, more character-based relationship studies and stuff like that. So this was not her, you know, it's... It's just not what she's known for. And she had mentioned that she loved this graphic novel because of the way it depicts relationships and women and things like that. And she loves comic book movies. Like she talked about how she loves action movies and loves comic book movies. And so she wanted to try her hand at it. And long story short is I think she nailed it. Like I'm – it's an interesting – it's an interesting movie because – Essentially, it's about these, what is it, four characters and then five. I think that's right, right? Or is it five and then six? Uh, No, it's four and then five characters eventually who are essentially immortal. And they are for lack of – like for lack of a better description, like they're basically gods of war. You know, they are ancient warriors pulled out of their particular time who – have been given the gift of immortality for whatever reason. It's never really explained. Um, And Charlize Theron plays the the oldest one who's literally Andromach of Scytha, who is a Greek, like, from Greek mythology. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they they call her Andy. But then there's Booker, who was a French soldier who fought under Napoleon. And then there's Yusuf and Niccolo, or Joe and Nikki, who fought in the Crusades, killed each other, but then became lovers uh, afterwards. Like, obviously, they found out that they were immortal. And they're like this team of mercenaries, basically, going around the world, hired by people to fight their wars for them, fight their battles for them, do their operations for them. And then they discover a, a basically a new member who has that power, a soldier, an American soldier in Afghanistan named Niall, uh, who's played by Kiki Lane. And they kind of bring her on board. That's one part of it. The other part of it is there's this pharma bro douchebag who's trying to find them, capture them, and use their powers to create, you know, a drug that will cure whatever disease it's applied to. 
Um, so it is very comic booky. Yeah. You know, um, but it doesn't have the masks and the bullshit costumes. Like it's literally like an action movie. Yeah. Um, but it's pretty cool. What did you think of it? I enjoyed it. It's one of those movies that I think I finished watching it and I was like, I don't know if that was a good movie. I know it probably wasn't a great movie, <laughs> but I enjoyed myself a lot and yeah. I could see myself rewatching it. So I I enjoyed a lot of aspects of it. Obviously, like I think the actions where it shines the most. Oh, for sure. Um, I think anytime you're dealing with a obviously fictional story, but especially something like this that deals in like myths and legends and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff, like it's easy to get kind of poke holes in like what's going on and just kind of have to take leaps of faith into, okay, this is just how it works in this world. Right. Um, But beyond that, I I enjoy ones that mix in history. I I enjoy movies that, you know, have this supernatural or this, you know, superhero idea to it, but also deal with like world history. So like we reference like when they came up. So we're still living in this world that you and I live in today. Right. And the history is still the history. Just there's this whole idea of these heroes or gods among us, that kind of stuff that are there. Right. Um, that have been, you know, doing things that have ripples into the world that we have. It doesn't apposite a world like the Avengers where they exist sure. and do press conferences. and Exactly. Stuff. Exactly. So I enjoyed a lot of the action. I think it was great. Um, I enjoyed all of the characters. I think. Really, the only one I would say the weakest of like kind of the crew to me from like a performance standpoint would be um, Booker. Okay. Um, the the French guy, the guy that supposedly uh, fought and served under Napoleon. Mm-hmm. Again, it's not that he was bad. Just I didn't know which way we were going with him necessarily have, as a character. He's basically the number two, right? Yeah. And he's an on again, off again with Andy in terms of a relationship. But he didn't really have that – like, he's fine. He just doesn't really carry the weight of a number well, two. Well, you're not sure if he's supposed to be, like, the number two or the love interest of Andy or – All of the at one point they tr- At one point, they try to make him as, like, the genius, like, the brains of operation. And right. he's supposed to be this tech guy, even though, like – Nothing that we've seen before then makes right. you feel like he's or, techie. Or again, um, spoilers, like, is he this dirty rat bastard? Sure. You know. And so, like, you know, he's the only character that I maybe had a little bit of issues with um, in it. I do enjoy that the Stephen Merrick, the the bad guy, for lack of a better the term. The farmer in this, bro. The farmer bro. I feel like they tried to find someone that just looked like, uh, oh, what's his name in uh, Social Network? Zuckerberg. Like Zuckerberg. He does. Like, he looks like he's got kind of the Zuckerberg look. He looks like Zuckerberg mixed with John C. Riley mixed with Flat Top from Dick Tracy. Which, <laughs> if you can picture what that looks like, props to you. You've nailed it. Um, but I do. Why do, does he suck though? The characters. Real yeah, he's he's rough. Um, and and again, I think in any action movie, any movie like this in this genre, again, if you want to look hard enough, you're going to be able to ask a lot of questions that are not going to be able to be answered and probably not in touch with reality. But then you have to also go with the fact that there's not immortals and people that are like this. So like if you're going to take a leap of faith with one thing, you might as well take it with with another. But like there's like the end scene where we have this huge gunfight and people crashing out of windows and explosions 
in this tower and like when they leave like there's not a body on the street but then they drive away and instantly there's like thousands the of people up. cops show up of course all these regular people show up from their jobs and it's like what have they been doing for like what feels like the last 20, 20 to 30 minutes. minutes yeah so uh, there's things like that which there's been heavy gunfire for 20 sustained minutes. Like, where are these cops located? <laughs> like, we look like we're in a big city center here, and yet it's taking the cops this long to respond. And it's London, which is one of the most, like, surveilled areas. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, there's things like that. You're Fair if, point. If, if you want to get picky with things, like, you're going to find stuff like that. Sure. Um, I did find it interesting, and I don't think I realized it until we were talking through the beginning of this, that we watched... We're talking about two movies that have Nile or Niles yeah. <laughs> as some of their main characters in too. this too. But um, in the end, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, it definitely leaves you on kind of a uh, cliffhanger or what would be an easy transition into a sequel. I know right. uh, Charlize has already been asked about it. And um, basically her quote was, let's have a little resting period. But given the fact that all of us really want to do it, I'm sure that when it's the right time, we'll start the conversation. Yeah. I'm mixed on what I feel like I'm reading into that. Right. <laughs> Given that well, it's like... you don't like, want to make any promises, but I, I would think that if Netflix wants to do it and the same people involved want to do it, because even the director, who, like I said, yeah. is is way more of an established like artistic director, she's even said that she wants to do the trilogy. Yeah. And I think if everybody... Well, wants to be on it and Netflix is like here's another 75 million dollars I mean in this day and age it's, it'd be very hard for me to believe that it doesn't get a sequel because right. you know it's 81% right now on Rotten Tomatoes it's one of their um, most watched original movies which is is pretty high for a direct to streaming movie they uh, said now Netflix you can never really truly trust their numbers because mm-hmm. They say 72 million people watched it or 72 million households watched it over its first four weeks. But that's not like from beginning to end. Like their numbers are always skewed. But that being said, what they report according to their algorithm, their numbers, it's a top 10 success. Yeah. For well, and I think the other thing that this movie does well that I appreciated is like in a movie like this, when you deal with people who can't be killed and that, like you kind of expect like almost Matrix X s like over the top weapons like we're trying everything we can to kill them like somehow these bad guys are getting hold of like military loads of like weapons and machinery and that and like this one feels very restrained and and maybe it's because of budget purposes maybe it was intentional to make it more realistic but like it's a lot of hand-to-hand combat. There's not it as is. many weapons being used. Each of like, them have like a sword, yeah. which is dope as shit. And more more like professional mercenaries or whatever should sure. just have a sword in their arsenal. Sure. <laughs> so I enjoyed all of that and I enjoyed, you know, kind of the the range of James co-plays, the former CIA agent who is kind of put in the position of seeming like he's the bad guy initially. Chiwetel? Um yeah, Chiwetel. I'll, I know I know you I just stay You're away from trying to say his name because I, I always butch it, I butcher you. it. But uh, um, I enjoy that it's set up that like we could have like a little bit more of your traditional like superhero sequel because like he's like the man behind the computer, right. you know. Keep and us a secret. We'll part yeah, of the part of the Yeah, he's like sending them, giving them missions, all that kind of stuff. So you could have like a fun like we've done some of the intro, but obviously we 
we get a return from a character that we thought was dead to that you don't know whether she's going to be happy or angry or what her role is going to be. Quinn, man, because Quinn was was Andy's original partner and they were lovers and they were fighters and they were all that stuff and they still can't die. And she got put into an iron coffin and thrown into the bottom of the freaking sea Mm -hmm. and, and has to die and then regenerate and die and drown. And, and they show that and it's like, Oh my God, that seems like the worst thing ever. And then she shows up at the end. It's like, Oh shit. Is she? Cause that would drive me crazy, but you're right. Um, I, I'm with you. Like the action sequences were really good. Again, the characters were really deep too. Mm-hmm. You know, like you talk about Copley and his whole motivation for this is because his wife died of ALS, and he has the moment where he's telling that story, and how that fueled because he's working for the farmer bro at first. Like that fueled his desire to find them. Because if he could prevent that pain for other people, you know, and then he switches because the farmer bro's an evil dickhead. <laughs> and, like, that'll get you to switch allegiances pretty quickly. But I also love how there's this question of existence of, like, why are we – why have we been given this? Why – there are – they even they don't know the rules of it, you know, because mm-hmm. they say – and one thing that you had mentioned where when you're dealing with characters who are, quote, unquote, immortal, you run the risk of just things losing their tension. Yeah. You know, like they managed to go full circle with Wolverine where in some of the, like in Wolverine in the last stand, the third movie, he's literally getting chunks of his body blown off and then instantly regenerating them. And it's like, well, this is like, where's the stakes? He's going up against the Phoenix for yeah. crying out loud. And then by Logan, like, you see the pain. You Mm -hmm. see the pain that he feels. And I like that they focused on the fact that they still feel immense pain when they die, when they're injured or shot. And that with no warning or no reason, they haven't been able to figure it out, their healing factor goes away. Sure. And they can die normally again. That gives every action sequence Mm -hmm. stakes, you know, by being vague. And by being like, oh, maybe he won't wake up this time, there's stakes. And we see that in the movie when Charlize loses her powers, you know, which means she's got a limited lifespan in the franchise. But, like, it also builds, like, there's that moment where Joe and Nikki, who are who are lovers in the film, um, they were captured. And there's something about their relationship. I just thought it was really well done. I believed it from both of them, Mm -hmm. you know, and how they're just like, even though they've gone through this millions of times, they've been shot, they've been cut up, they've done all this millions of times. Like when someone gets shot in the head, they're still like, please wake up, please wake up, you know, because they don't know. And that's really effective. Sure. Um, And I also liked how they question, like like I had said, they question their existence, right? Like why are we doing this? They don't. They can't see the big picture, and you actually look at Copley's research, and Copley's able to say that every time that they have placed their footprint in history, whether it be in the Civil War, whether it be in the Revolutionary War, whether it be in the Crusades or what have you, something that was alluded to at the beginning of X Men Origins Wolverine, right, when him and Sabretooth go are shown in that montage of wars, which should have been its own movie, but it was only the first five minutes. Um, it shows that their impact 
served good. It shows that any life that they saved led to a huge breakthrough in the world or led to something great. Like they saved this girl in Pakistan and she wound up like starting this huge chain of orphanages, you know, stuff like that. And that's – I just – when when they saw that at the end, I'm like, I'm in. Give me a second one. Like I'll watch more of this. I'm I'm interested, you know. And so – I loved how deep the characters were. I love how it dealt with the immortality and the healing factor, even though, again, much like Palm Springs, there's nothing in this movie we haven't seen before. Mm-hmm. It's 2020. We've seen everything. We've seen regeneration. We've seen badass action sequences and stuff like that. But the direction and the actors and the depth of it gives it – it makes it feel fresh, you know, and that's ultimately what you're shooting for. Uh, what was your favorite action sequence? I can think of like a few. Um, like I obviously, uh, gosh, the opening one where they get, uh, <laughs> where they get what they got basically, mm-hmm. where they're in uh, Sudan and they go into the 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 hut, the brick hut, yep. and suddenly they're in like this tech basement and they get all shot up, yep. and then they regenerate and whoop all amounts of ass. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like the ambush in the middle where it's just Charlize fighting everybody doing her atomic blonde thing. Yep. And then there's, like you said, the final, uh, the big fight through the, the pharmacy offices and whatnot. Uh, did you have a particular favorite? For me, it's the one in the church. Um, and it's probably the simplest of them cause it's just Andy sneaking up, Charlize sneaking up Ganking and people. just taking them all out. Putting them to solo. sleep. Um, but I enjoyed it. We get some of her, would you call it an axe? I don't know. It's, um, uh, yeah, it's pro- I guess it's a battle axe. Battle axe of sorts. Um, I enjoy that, you know, she doesn't just shoot them all with a gun, that there's some hand to hand, there's mm-hmm. some her getting beat. There's, you know, there's some good back and forth in that. And I feel like that to me never gets old those types of fight sequences because they're choreographed there's a lot to them not that all fight sequences aren't but like there was a lot more like hand to hand which takes a lot more to choreograph than right. just shoot that person it shoot just that person feels, that kind of it, thing it's more visceral yeah and so I, I i enjoyed that uh, all of them i thought were were great and and i enjoyed them but i think that one was my favorite i i man I'll tell you, I think I like the end. I like the final action sequence because it was very clear geographically moving through the building and having to get in and escape and fight through everything. And I really enjoyed that. I enjoyed the stakes that were there because Andy couldn't heal anymore. And so, like, that made it a lot. Obviously, there are, you know, as as the stakes are still good in the movie, but that raised the stakes. I liked... And and I know that you had a hard time with Booker, and I, that makes sense. But I, I to me, like bo- like Booker, uh, whether what his role was in the team is still foggy. But like I like that he wasn't just a dirtbag. Like I liked that he thought like this could take us out of our immortality. He didn't really mean to hurt Andy because of her, but he didn't know she couldn't regenerate anymore. Sure. I like that he has morals, you know. And and I really enjoy that. I think my only other note is as good as Harry Melling is as Merrick, the bad guy, he is a little too arch compared to all of the other characters. Every single character in this movie is very layered. 
They have multiple motivations. They have multiple emotions. They have history. They have reasons for behind that. Even Niall, who we haven't talked about much, like she doesn't want this immortality. She wants to go back to her family. And they're like, you need to cut it cold turkey. Like she's got all this stuff going on with her. But Merrick is just piece of shit, number one. That's his character, right? He didn't even try to pretend to be you know, benevolent or, or 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 helpful in any way. Like he is immediately given like a Zuckerberg, like I'm and I've never seen this before in a movie, but a suit jacket that has a hoodie sewn into it. Have you seen that before? I've seen it before. I haven't seen that before. I've seen suit jackets over hoodies. Sure. But I I was like the second I saw that I was like this asshole. Like <laughs> immediately. And he is he's he's just a big screaming villain who's just there's no when any everybody else is so reasonable in the movie his character of just being like I don't care I'm going to torture him I'm going to lock him up I'm going to I don't give a shit it felt a little too broad in my opinion not that I didn't hate him I hated him very much and I love the way that he died like all villain deaths should be as satisfying as getting a battle axe to the neck and then thrown out of a building into a car and your body basically turning into a paste. See, the thing I liked about him as a bad guy is I like the throwback bad guy that is just pure evil. That, like, there is nothing that we should feel sorry for sure. or have any redemptive values at all. Like, sure. Even Thanos were supposed to, you know, like... <laughs> Thanos was right. Thanos were supposed to have some kind of, like understanding of like what he was trying to do and yeah. his and his in his motives it's it's character it's it's layers it's motivation but i'm okay with the single layer just this person's a bad guy there's not a redeeming factor about them i'm good with that sometimes i i i am too i don't need every character to have 14 layers to them for me to it's just easier for me to want and cheer for someone to die sure in a movie like this, sure. If I don't have to think like, well, yeah, but he's so. Here's know, the thing. Here's like, where I don't want to see him go home to his family because then I might regret <laughs> that he was killed because I think about his daughter who doesn't have a dad or anything <laughs> like that. Like, <laughs> okay. I just want to be able to purely hate a character sometimes. I think that that's fair. All right, but here's what I'm saying: there are villains that you love to hate, right? That are – you talk about the Joker. You talk about Tavington from Patriot. You talk about Commodus from Gladiator. Like those are like, in my opinion, like top three. Absolutely. Like absolutely Still hateful. hate Tavington. Still, I, can't, I can't watch him Tavington as an actor in anything. such a piece of shit. I think like, that's why he doesn't get any movies anymore. But, but Tavington was sm like ruthless piece of shit, right? But he was intelligent in what he did. You know, he was he had logic behind it is this is why I'm behaving and this is why I'm doing it. And there was just something intelligent about him. And Merrick just doesn't seem that intelligent. Like there are probably ways that he could have gone about his evil deeds smarter. And I don't and maybe I'm wrong. Like I'm, I'm just making this up as I go along. But to <laughs> me, like that's that's what I'm talking about when it comes to layered you know, I, I don't know. I, we could probably have a whole episode just on layered performances. I agree with you that not everybody needs 
this backstory or motivation or we don't need to see them going no. home to their kids. Yeah, I don't, I don't need that. I, I want to just be able to hate a bad guy for being a bad guy. So, I don't want anything else. Like, I was going to be disappointed once we got the whole story about uh, Chiwetel and his character with the loss of his wife. Like, if he ended up having to be a bad guy that we right. needed to kill, like, right. I was going to feel slightly bad because he's got some pure motivations in, in what he's doing and this trying is, to accomplish. This is slightly off track, but I did just want to mention, like, the end of the movie Hellfest, which is a slasher movie, um, they, you never find out who the killer is. It's just a masked guy. And at the very end of the movie, it follows the, the guy home, and he opens up a case in his garage and hangs the mask that he's been wearing up with a bunch of other masks, which leads the audience to assume that he's done this before. And then he goes into his house, and his, his daughter's sleeping on the couch, and it's like, hi, Daddy, and then it ends. You never see his face, right? But that, I love, I know, I know this has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but when you said, I don't want to see the villain go home and see his family, like, that was my favorite part of that whole shitty movie was like, ooh, that's interesting. He's just a guy with a regular family, and it's, I don't know. But, I, listen, I'm not saying, I'm not saying he needed to have deeper motivations. Like, he wants to make money. He wants to be rich. He wants to create this serum or this drug and charge $5,000 a hit for it. Like, cool, fine. But those types of greedy people, I'm just saying it – I don't know, man. It just feels smarter to just be like, hey, let's cut a deal or, hey, maybe I shouldn't yell at my second-in-command all the time or, or maybe the guy who's helping me, I shouldn't just be like, eat shit and die, Chutel. Like, maybe – I should maintain relationships that are beneficial to me. Like that kind of thing. I don't know. But when you're that powerful and rich. Who needs it? You might not care. Who needs I it? I think there's probably plenty of people that are like that. Even Commodus and Gladiator had to play to the crowd is, is what I'm saying. But anyway. So, don't get okay. me started on Commodus. <laughs> we go. Oh, oh another. We're just going to do next episode. Just going to be Joker, Commodus, and Tavington. Like the, the three biggest villains you love to hate like oh my god so let's wrap this up uh popcorn ratings uh, we already talked about what they mean but your popcorn level your popcorn rating for the old guard what do you say what's that noise popcorn you making popcorn uh-huh i only eat popcorn at the movies i'm gonna go three and a half so we get three popcorns and a soda okay so microwave popcorn microwave and a soda Okay. I think uh, we throw a soda. I don't think I mentioned it before, but we throw a soda in the middle in case we're in between on any of the level of popcorns. It's it's our equivalent to half a star. Yeah, it, and it it's I would say it's closer to movie theater popcorn than it is to microwave popcorn sure. with that drink in there. Um, if you forced me to get rid of the drink and go three or four, I would go four. It's extra large um, drink, souvenir cup. Yeah, souvenir cup for sure. <laughs> we're we're committed. We got so many layers to the. We're ratings. committed here, Jeez. so. It's it screams a streaming film to me. Like I I would have enjoyed seeing this in the theaters, but I also don't feel like I would have been like I don't think watching it I felt like I was super deprived of like seeing this on the theater screen. Sure. I don't know if that makes sense. And I think there's enough things that like because it's almost as blatant as you can come that this wants to be part of a series instead yeah. of just a singular movie. Um, I think there's something about that too that lends it more to uh, 
when you're judging it on its own, not feeling as strong um, of, as a film on its own. Yeah. Because there's so many things that aren't answered that they do know. Because right. while you said a lot of them don't know when they're gonna when things are gonna end or things like that, like we don't get a ton of background story or what they've experienced and what they've learned along the way we in get this snippets. film. We get snippets, but we don't get a ton of it uh, because there's so much else that they're doing in this film. Right. Um, and I think that's one of the disadvantages that you get when you go into a film saying like this is one of many, mm-hmm. because I'm sure like because for as difficult and dark and downer of a scene as the Iron Maiden scene when Whew. she gets put in the iron casket and Boy. dumped off, like as bad as that is, like all that we've been given to say like we should care about uh, Quinn's character is like maybe a minute and a half montage of them fighting together right and being friends together and lovers together and that kind of thing so it's like it's hard to like you don't feel the loss feel that loss as much and whereas i feel like if you would have had more depth and background and you know maybe extended like if we didn't kill the quote-unquote greedy ceo that was trying to get them Mm -hmm. right away in the first movie like and we spent more time developing the backstory a little bit more i feel like it could have been a better but again at the end of the day i really enjoyed it it's a movie i could see myself watching multiple times and and i would definitely go and see the next one yeah i'm in for the next one as well for me it's movie theater popcorn um i i think i liked it a little bit more than you in terms of like the characteristics and stuff like that and then and i take points away for the villain oddly enough i mostly agree with you on all points as well like could use more of the flashbacks. There's only little snippets. There's not a lot to connect you with. We could use more of Quinn's character because we only get a little bit and we don't feel that emotion, but they do, like you said, a really excellent job of, of, of depicting just how much of a hell being drowning, being dead for two seconds, waking up, screaming, drowning again, like boy, oh boy, that's terrible. So movie theater popcorn for me, again, if you like action movies, if you like, uh, Charlie's there and kicking ass. Like, definitely check out the old guard on Netflix if you haven't already. Um, I mean, you just listen to a bunch of spoiler talk about it, so I don't know what you're doing. Um, the last thing I want to mention before we wrap up, David, is what we have coming up. I wanted to. I always like letting everybody know what movies are coming up streaming because that's all we got right now. You know, for the people who listen to this who love movies, I want to tell them what they can see and when they can see it. So, the first movie. Uh, that I have on my list is American Pickle, an American Pickle, which is a Seth Rogen comedy, going to be on HBO Max on August 6th. And it's a story about um, an old Jewish man who falls into a vat of pickle brine and is basically survives 100 years. He is pickled and then wakes up and meets like his great grandson. Both of them are played by Seth Rogen. Um, and it looks really interesting. It looks like another one of those movies that's going to be very funny, but also deal with probably some some serious issues about, you know, family and value and stuff like that. So that's an American Pickle on HBO Max on August 6th. On August 7th, we have David Ayer's crime drama, The Tax Collector, which is going direct to VOD. So it'll cost you money to rent it or buy it, but it's direct to VOD. It's got Shia LaBeouf in it. I've heard some crazy shit about this movie. And David Ayer doing crime movies, that's like the thing. That's his... (laughs) That's his bread and butter, you know. That's we're talking his career, whether it be, I mean, 
Suicide Squad, yes, but like he did Sabotage. That movie's nuts. End of Watch, Street Kings, Harsh Times, like those types of movies. You know, he wrote Training Day. He wrote Dark Blue. He helped co-write The Fast and the Furious. So this guy does crime movies. And this looks like it's going to be a crazy-ass crime movie. That's August 7th on VOD. Disney Plus has an animated movie coming out on August 14th called The One and Only Ivan, which, again, is an animated film, but it's got a crazy list of of uh, of performers. Like, it's got I, – I think it's live action. I actually think it's live action animated. I don't even know, honestly – because it's got real actors in it. It's got Brian Cranston, but it's also got voices of, like, Sam Rockwell, Angelina Jolie, Danny DeVito, Helen Mirren. Like, those are some big voices to get for a movie. So that's going to be on Disney Plus on August 14th. And the last one, just a trailer came out not too long ago for it, Project Power on Netflix, August 14th as well. Um, that's got Jamie, uh, Jamie Foxx. It's got... Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and it's another movie that plays on the idea of superpowers, that you can take a pill and get superpowers for five minutes. It looks like a pretty gnarly crime drama uh, or crime action film. But yeah, those are the movies that are coming out. Those are the movies that we're going to try and watch uh, and and hopefully talk about them on the show in the coming weeks. But uh, that's pretty much it. Before we Say goodbye. I want to remind everybody that you can get episodes of the Popcorn Diet just by hitting subscribe, hitting the follow button. That way, if we go a couple of weeks without putting an episode in, it'll the, when we do, it goes right to you. So take a second, write a review, share us with your other good movie buddies. Don't forget you can check us out on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash the Popcorn Diet. Consider becoming a patron of the podcast. If you have the money, if you like what we do and you want to support independent content creators, Check us out, patreon.com slash the popcorn diet. Of course, we don't want you to forget, you can get us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, all of our social media accounts at the popcorn diet. And last but certainly not least, you can find all of our latest regular episodes, articles. We did a ranking of Disney villains uh, at the end of last year. You can find all of that on our website, popcorndietpodcast.com. But... For the Canadian machine, Mr. David Melhorn, I am your very best good movie buddy, Rick Williamson, and we'll see you next time with another good movie on the Popcorn Diet. Adios.